0: Hey there, my name is Roy, and I am the lead pastor here at Arthur Pentecostal Assembly. We're so glad you've joined us today for our online service. If you're watching on Facebook or if you're watching on YouTube, be sure to interact in the comments as much as you possibly can. Let us know that you're there. And you know, we're glad you've joined us on Father's Day. A big shout out today to all the dads, all the grandfathers, all all the stepdads, all those that have taken a fatherly role in someone's life you have taken this role seriously and you're helping shape the next generation we honor you today well we're deep into this series that we began six weeks ago called dear church where we're looking at the seven letters in the book of revelation that jesus wrote to seven different churches and honestly when we began this series i wasn't really thinking ahead that father's day was going to kind of fall right in the middle however we we want today, we're going to look at one of the letters that's an encouraging letter. And we want to be able to encourage you today, dads. I don't know if you remember back to a time when you first found out you were going to be a dad. Or if you remember the time where you first held your child and, and looked into their eyes. Well, there were four men. They were in the waiting room. And they were all new dads waiting to just find out the news of what was happening with their kids and the nurse walked out looked at the first dad and said congratulations you are the, the proud father of twin boys he said wow that is that's unbelievable what a coincidence i play for the minnesota twins baseball team the nurse came out again looked at the other man and said sir i you are the proud father of triplets and he said wow that is that is uncanny I work for 3M. The next, the nurse came out and looked at the next man and said, Sir, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but you have quadruplets. And he said, this doesn't make sense, but I guess it does because I work for the Four Seasons Hotel chain. The th- fourth man, he's, we, they find him over in the corner just kind of shaking and, and crying. And it's like, Sir, what is wrong? And he says, I work for 7-Up. You know, sometimes a message uh, delivered, you know, it, a lot of times it's good news. E- either way, um, this message this morning that we're looking at, it was, was good news to the church in, the, in Philadelphia. That's the church that we're looking for. And so in, if you have your Bible with you, it's found in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And I'm going to read and then we're going to jump in. Verse seven says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, or the pastor of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength yet. You obeyed my word and did not deny me. Look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue, those liars who say they're Jews but are not, to come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. Because you've obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the whole world to test those who belong to this world. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. All who are victorious will become pillars in the temple of my God. And they will never have to leave it. And I will write on them the name of my God, and they will be citizens in the city of my God, the new Jerusalem that comes down from heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Father God, we have uh, heard your word, and you've said that your word never comes back void. And so God Your word can be like a double-edged sword. Allow it to pierce our our lives in the areas that need to be pierced. We've read your word, God. Now we humbly ask that your word would read us. Amen. Like I said, we've been on this... Seven week journey through uh, these letters written to the Church of Revelation. And this week we, we focus on this letter that was written to Philadelphia. Now, not that Philadelphia, you know, the one you know from Pennsylvania, not the home of the Sixers and Eagles, the Phillies, the, the Flyers, not the birthplace of cream cheese and cheesesteak sandwiches. This is the original Philadelphia. And this church receives this letter. and this letter is one of the only ones that doesn't get any correction from Jesus. It's just encouragement. The church in Philadelphia gets this big pat on the back, and a whole lot of encouragement. It's an encouraging letter. So after some tougher letters that we've we've read the last number of weeks, I get to encourage you today, which works out well in Father's Day because dads you need encouragement too. Well today, is all about perspective. What the church in Philadelphia had was they had a great perspective, and perspective is important. There was a story once told by a famous pastor and author, Tony Campolo, and he said in his his book that a Philadelphia, not the the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Philadelphia congregation watched as three nine-year-old boys were baptized and joined the church. Not long after, they were unable to continue because of their dwindling membership. The church then sold the building and disbanded. But one of those boys was the author, Tony Campolo. And he remembers, years later, when I was doing research in the archives of our denominations, I decided to look up the church report for the year of my baptism. And there was my name, and Dick White's. Dick White is now a missionary. Bert Newman, who was also there, is now a professor of theology at an African seminary. Then I read the church report for my year, and it said, It has not been a good year for our church. We've lost 27 members. Three joined, and they were only children. Three joined. Three were only children, those three children now serving God in incredible ways. Here's a Philadelphia church, yeah, that Philadelphia, with a bad perspective. Henry Ford, the founder of the Ford Motor Vehicle Company, once said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. See, what Henry Ford knew was perspective can be everything. But bigger than that, even bigger than just believing in yourself, if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a Christian perspective. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the ability to see things differently than most outside the faith. So as a Christian, we can see victory even when things hap- evil things happen. We can see that the story is not finished when things don't turn out how we want them to be, that God's actually not done yet. And because we're looking through the lens of an empty tomb, We see things differently. It's a different perspective. So today I want to give you four perspectives that we find in this letter to Philadelphia that will give you hope when you see them in this way. Number one, God holds the master key and has all access. Let me read verse 7 again. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David. What he opens, no one can close, and what he closes, no one can open. See, if you're going to have the right perspective, you need to understand that Jesus, the one whom you call Lord and Savior, holds the master key, he's in charge. He is the key to every single door, every single thing in the universe. There is no out of bounds or off limits area for him. There's no locked doors that he cannot open. There's no power that is higher. There is no king that outranks him. Do you remember the first time you got your first set of keys or someone handed you a key or set of keys? I worked at Petro Canada um, gas station when I was in high school, full serve, not one of these like, self serves where you just kind of sit behind the the desk but it was like full serve and I remember when I was when I was trained to close up the station they handed me the keys to close it was a big deal it was a big deal when you get your first set of keys even if it's just your house key it represents that you're being trusted and you now have access that not everyone else has and you're being trusted with that it's a big deal the key represents access and authority. And chapter 7 says, and this is actually a reference to Isaiah 22, but it says that Jesus is the one who has the key of David, or the authority over the kingdom that was once ruled by David. And in this letter, he stands up before the church in Philadelphia and he says, I'm the one. I have all power and I have all authority. See, side note, Jesus In each of his letters, he makes reference to one of his abilities and it's the thing that that church needs to be reminded of. So for the church in Philadelphia, he wanted them to be encouraged by the fact that he holds the key. Even when things don't seem like they're going the way that they had hoped, even when it seems like things feel like they're spiraling out of control, he wants them to know, I am an authority, I hold the key. And he wants you to know, and he wants me to know, that he has all access, and he holds the master key. That should give you some hope and assurance. Number two, personal holiness matters. Verse 8 says, I know all the things you do, and I have opened a door for you that no one can close. You have little strength, yet you obeyed my word, and you did not deny me this is so important because if you think you have little strength or you think that your impact is small that the things you do don't really matter but you think that the 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 stuff that you do is insignificant the things that you do the little things make waves in the unseen see dads when you pray for your kids it matters Parents when you model your relationship to look like Jesus they're watching and it matters. Students when you display the love of Jesus even when it's not cool, even when when you cross over and, and you go find that one friend who nobody will play with and you invite them in even if it means taking a hit against your reputation that matters anytime you go out of your way to show grace and kindness and compassion even when it seems like nobody noticed even when it seems like no one cares your heavenly father wants you to know it does because personal holiness matters See, so you understand this jesus has the master key opens every door but you and i as children of god we've been given smaller keys that open doors and if you want to see some doors open in your workplace? And I'm not talking promotions, I'm talking revival. If you want to see doors open in your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your family, if you want to see some doors open that seem that maybe they are locked from the out from the inside out, personal holiness is one of the keys that you've been given. Let me explain. You see, there was a shift in Christianity in the past few decades. Because at one point, legalism was prominent in church circles. Maybe you experienced that growing up, depending on how old you are. And, and a generation grew up, my generation, and we had questions. And, and the, the answer of, because I said so, or because it's somewhere in the Bible, didn't always settle it for us. And then we discovered that some of the things that we were told were not, were not biblical actually weren't even mentioned in the Bible. I have a pastor friend that's in his 70s and he was told that as a kid that he couldn't go to the movie theater because if Jesus came back while he was at the movies, Jesus would never think to look for him in the theater. I, I still know people who are, who are uncomfortable going to see The Passion of the Christ at the movie theaters because of this line of thinking. As if your godly discernment works when you're watching TV, but it doesn't work in the movie theater. And it is, and it, it cripples and it, and it handcuffs. And as a result of things like that, that didn't really have a biblical backing, people decided that the worst thing that they wanted to be seen as was a legalistic, fundamental Christian. And when you watch media, often Christians are depicted that way. Allergic to fun, straight and narrow, fundamentalists, rule keepers. And so what happened was many Christians decided, I don't want to be seen like that. I don't want people to see me that way. And so they decided I'd rather be a little bit edgy. So it became cool to be not too Christian. And so we wanted people to see that we aren't corny. So what happens is people are like, well, then this, a little bit of sin is is okay. It's okay to swear a little bit. It's it's okay to party and and get drunk a little bit. You you can be Christian and be cool. You can be an edgy Christian because the outside world's going to watch that and that's what's going to draw them and make them fall in love with Jesus, which is so messed up. I understand being relevant. But the problem is, the pendulum has swung so far the other way. We stopped valuing, valuing holiness. And I want to say today, on behalf of Jesus, personal holiness matters. If you don't value holiness, you just become like everyone else except you have an obligation on Sunday mornings. Personal holiness matters. The way you speak matters. Your thought life matters. How much you tolerate sin matters. Reading your Bible matters. Worship matters. The contents of your heart matter. And Philadelphia had figured it out. They valued personal holiness, but they figured it didn't really have much impact. But Jesus writes to them and says, "Your small daily decisions to chase personal holiness is making a difference in the unseen world more than you'll ever know." Number three: All church people aren't going to heaven. Maybe you're, maybe you're listening today and you don't consider yourself a church person because, because of some church person you've met. I get it. I really do. I, the, there's, there's certain people who have represented the church in, in ways that don't reflect Jesus at all. And if you told me your story, I, I would probably agree with you. But I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you today, don't judge Jesus based on every person that you've met that maybe goes to church because here's something you need to know. Not everyone that goes to church will spend eternity with God. In fact, I think there will be some big surprises one day when who you see in heaven and who you don't. See, we see the outside, but God actually judges the heart. That's not my opinion. Look at what Jesus says. He says, look, I will force those who belong to Satan's synagogue. He's saying, look at these churchgoers. They're regular attenders. But he says, those liars who say they are Jews but are not, which is another way of saying they say they are devoted to me, but their hearts reveal something different. He says they will come and bow down at your feet. They will acknowledge that you are the ones I love. And he says they will see in the moment who were truly devoted and in return who I was devoted to. Let me say this again. Going to church, playing the role of good Christian, Checking Christian in the box will not make you or I a true follower and disciple of Jesus. If our hearts are deceitful, we are just hypocrites with a time commitment. Only you and God know the truth. See, identity uh, as a follower of Jesus is not found in religious activity. It is found in relational proximity to the Father. You need to ask yourself this. On the back end of this health crisis that we've been facing, this is a good time to do it. Are you a follower or are you a churchgoer? See, we don't know exactly who has been watching uh, when we went online and who hasn't. When online services are the only thing that are going, we see names pop up on the screen, but we, we usually only see one name from the household. and We don't know that you made an appearance for a moment and then, and then went back to bed. When your accountability is lower, you don't have people around you to hold you accountable, and your spiritual walk was left in your own hands, how did you do? How are you doing? How is your family's walk with Jesus doing? How is it held up? This has been a season of testing. And during a test, that's not the time where you learn. That's where you show what you know. That's when you show who you are. So the question is, how are you doing? This is a a good time to discover. Are you merely a church person? Or are you a devoted follower of Jesus? There's a big difference. And I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you right now. Some of you are feeling convicted. That's okay. Don't run from that. It's your chance to turn around, like the word we used last week was repent, turn around towards Jesus and make it right. The Holy Spirit's talking to some of you as well, that, and you're beating yourself up a little bit, yet you're, you're, you're striving so hard to pursue Jesus in the middle of this. You don't need to be perfect. You're good. You're moving in the right direction. And a work in progress. That's all God asks from you. You are a son and the, a daughter of the Most High because of what His grace did for you. But you need to realize, not everyone sitting in a church building or watching online is going to be with God in eternity. It's only the ones that are willing to submit their lives to his leading. And he encourages Philadelphia with this. He's like, don't be discouraged because you don't do church like some of them. He's like, don't do church like some of them. Pursue me with everything. That's all that I ask. Number four, in our last point, God's people Endure. Verse 10 says, because you've obeyed my command to persevere, I will protect you from the great time of testing that will come upon the world to test those who belong to this world. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take away your crown. There's a lot going on. Let me simplify some of this. He says a true and authentic follower of Jesus is someone who gets back up when they're knocked down. He says you persevere. You see, there's this false belief in the world that Christians are weak, but those same people would say that Jesus was weak because he didn't fight back during his crucifixion. Christians may seem weak, but Christians are incredibly strong in the way they persevere. The Christian faith gets knocked down often, and it always gets up, and when it gets up, it always gets up stronger. And Jesus is like a coach standing at the finish line. When you get knocked down, he calls out, stand up, keep going, come on. You can do this. When when we mess up, he says, get back up, dust yourself off, keep going, let's go. When when you wander away from the faith and you get to a place where you're like, I don't even know if I can face God or if he'd ever take me back. Jesus is calling out, stand up, get back in the race. Here I am, I'm waiting for you. If you want the inspiration for what the Christian faith should be, look no further than Jesus. When it came came time for him to take the cross for the sins of the world, Jesus could have turned and ran, but every time they hit him, every time they beat him, he stood back up and he took another step towards the father's plan. See, as a child of God, you were made of the stuff that doesn't quit. Four perspectives. Which one do you need to lean in on the most? Do you need to be reminded that God has all access and all authority? that he's giving you keys to, that your commitment to personal holiness is making more of an impact than you'll ever know? Because we're in this for the long run. Do you need to be reminded that just because your backside fills a seat on Sunday doesn't mean that you're a child of God? It definitely helps. But visiting visiting a barn doesn't make me a farmer. Our proximity to God makes all the difference. Or maybe today you need to hear that you can endure. You can persevere. That you're not alone. That Jesus is whispering, get back up. Stay in the race. You got this. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, today I I honor the dads that that are listening. I pray that you would encourage them. I pray that you would give them the, the wisdom and the strength to lead their, their kids and their family well. I pray for those today, Lord, that are um, Father's Day is a tough day for them. That they've, maybe they've lost a dad or a fatherly figure in their life, and, and this is a reminder. And God, I pray that you would be their peace and their comfort, and that you would just put your arms around them today. And God, for each of us, Lord, I pray that we would would be true, authentic Christians. They're not content with just coming to church, but being the church. That we'd be the type of people that persevere. The type of people that would keep going. And the message that you gave to Philadelphia, God, I pray that that would be the message that we carry with us, that we would hold tightly. I pray that we'd be encouraged that that you have the keys you have all access and you have all authority over everything may we lean into those things and may it give us hope today and lord we ask this in your name jesus amen